Hey everybody, welcome to Keyhole Conversations. This is going to be a podcast and kind of a passion project for me. You all know that I am highly involved in the Habeas Corpses podcast, which focuses pretty much solely on true crime and horror movies and horror uh, happenings in the world and around So what I really wanted to do, though, is I love communicating with people. I love talking with people in their day-to-day lives. And this passion that I have for this, um, I want to transfer it over to a podcast. I want to be able to have interesting individuals and guests from all walks of life talking about all types of subject matter. And hope you guys enjoy these conversations I have. Anything from philosophy to science to outlooks on life to where these people came from, their upbringings, and I hope to have a ton of different guests on here. Now, I know a lot of people say when you're creating a podcast, you want to find a niche audience and be pretty specific in what you're creating, and that is what I do with Habeas Corpses when we do the horror movie stuff. But on this, I don't want a niche audience. I don't want to be stuck in a box. I want to be able to talk about whatever I want whenever I want, with whoever I want, and hopefully that transfers over to you guys and you really enjoy it. Um, The reason I'm calling this Keyhole Conversations is because it's like we're looking through a keyhole into another person's brain or into another person's life, and we're getting a glimpse of them. And so that's how I came up with the name Keyhole Conversations. So again, I hope you guys enjoy. This is the first episode of this podcast. This is with Caroline. She has something in common with me. Now, when I started making this podcast, I decided I want to be really open and honest with everyone. And how about not just get that out of the way with talking about my sobriety. I've been sober for a little over a year. And Caroline was a key person in helping me keep sober and keep on the right track with this because herself, she struggles with alcoholism as well. She's been sober for um, quite a long while, which you will uh, have the pleasure of listening to her and her story and my story as well. So I hope you guys enjoy and we'll get started. Welcome to the show, Caroline. Um, this is a project I've been looking to do for quite some time. I do a horror movie podcast that I've been working on for oh four or five years now. And I've always been inspired by conversation because I really enjoy conversation with wonderful individuals and things of that nature. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to start doing a podcast that kind of mimics the Joe Rogan show, but more layman folk. We're not all famous out there in the world, but there are so many interesting people and interesting stories from everywhere around the world and people I meet, and I just love conversation. So I'm going to start inviting people on this show that is currently unnamed and talk with them about things. Now, Caroline, we've known each other for maybe a year, if that. I think we we were, um, let's bring that Microphone closer to you. Yep. And angle it towards your... Speak now. Hello. Now? There we go. (laughs) Cool. Um, So, yeah, we've known each other for about maybe, I would say, a little over a year through social media. We met through a mutual friend of ours, Tiffany, who I met at a, uh, a local... Oh, what would you call it? Like a local art show. And Tiffany was like, I love your photography. You're really going to love this person. I was like, oh, who's this? And um, she pretty much gave me your Instagram handle. And I started following you. But it was about a year ago that we actually like connected and started talking about shooting together mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And interestingly enough, we also had another thing in common besides doing photography. We both are alcoholics. We're drunks. <laughs> <laughs> and I I laugh about it, but it's true. And it was so weird. Like, I myself don't believe in fate per se, but it's, it is weird that you came into my life at a time that I was stopping 
drinking, cutting it off because I finally came to a realization that I myself was an alcoholic. And coming to that realization was so hard for me because I always played the game of, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. Pushing it off, pushing it off. And then I realized, oh, maybe around the age of like 25, 26, that I think I might be an alcoholic. But it was always just in the back of my mind, not the forefront. Um, And it wasn't until a year ago that I really was like, I'm I'm an alcoholic. I got to quit this. Um, But I think there's different types of alcoholics. I myself was the, because I didn't drink during the week because I have a job that respectively I can't get hammered and wake up in the morning and, and go do. It's a safety sensitive position. So my type of alcoholism, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you have way more knowledge on this, but I was, I was like a binge drinker weekend warrior type. It was like Monday through Thursday, I was able to stay sober, but I was always like, gotta make it to that weekend gotta make it to that friday and once friday hit it was straight to the liquor store you know game on i would probably spend anywhere from 20 to 80 dollars a weekend on alcohol have it all gone by sunday morning hate myself sunday and have to get ready for work monday and that's the type of drinking i was doing myself and it started when i was younger probably 1920 and I just never turned it off it just kept going there were points in my life where I could turn it off um, when I had big things going on like school or something of that nature but it always came back and I always used it as a crutch for not only boredom and things like that on the weekends if I was bored but also anxiety depression things of that nature self-medicating on the weekends so I'm interested in I don't think I've ever really sat down and talked with you about what type of alcoholic you were. How was your drinking and when did you notice that it was a problem to you? Mm. Um, So kind of like you in the back of my mind when I was younger, I suspected I might have a drinking problem. Um, Everyone told me I had a drinking problem, but I didn't listen to them. So I probably started drinking when I was like 15 or 16 in high school hanging out with some girls we'd skip school go to my house um get into my parents wine they bought that lovely boxed wine so and I remember drinking that and I loved the way it made me feel you know you kind of got all warm and you got some confidence and I felt like I fit in with these girls that I really thought were cool in hindsight they were kind of just bitches but you know um 2020 (laughs) so um so yeah um and when I drank I didn't do it to feel good. Like I did it until I puked and passed out. That's what I was going for. Gotcha. So that's how I knew I was having a good time, you know. So kind of um, was able to turn it off when I got married. So 21 years old and I got pregnant right away, of course, because this is Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I didn't drink again until I was almost 30. Oh, really? So yeah. you turned your drinking off from 21 to 30? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because so nine years. We became like super devout LDS. We're doing the whole temple thing, um, not listening to like rock music, if you can imagine that. I, that is so <laughs> surprising to hear that coming from you. <laughs> I would have um, never guessed I that. I won't lie. I did, I, did, I did sneak some rock music in the car with the kids. You know, I think back then it was like disturbed and slipknot were kind of the big thing, you know, so kind of that kind of stuff. So I did enjoy that a lot. When I found that, I was like, oh, I need to get back to this, you know, because I'd been listening to like just stupid music, <laughs> you know, trying to be uplifting and spiritual church type yeah. music, trying to be like the good um, LDS mother. And um, that's not really, you know, obviously who I am. I don't, I don't have any problems with the church. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I just don't care. Yeah. So I, there are little bits and pieces, but that's a whole different story, you know? Um, so yeah, I started drinking when I was 30 and that was again, like a, to the point of puking and passing out. And I'm the type who, when I drink, um, I end up not going to work. I end up calling in sick. I end up, or if I do go to work, I'm driving to work still intoxicated the next day. I don't have an off switch. And there's all the bad behaviors that go along with drinking. And um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny that you say that, that you don't have an off switch, because it wasn't until I got involved in my current career that I learned to have an off switch. I call myself a responsible alcoholic because I never I never drove intoxicated or did anything of that nature. But when I was younger, maybe like 17, 18, 19, I do remember I used to work in a local music store and we would just party all night and I would go into work drunk. And I would work at this guitar shop just drunk until the hangover would come on and it was terrible and at that time I thought oh I'm just a partier you know and I think I was just you know the early 20s partying having a good time pushing it a little too far with my friends but then I never turned that off where a lot of my friends did they kind of grew up got in careers school and things of that nature and I did as well but I also just kept doing the weekend thing and slowly it became less people were doing the weekend thing with me and it was just to the point of where it was just like me doing the weekend thing alone and I was able to control myself during my mid-20s and then when it really got bad was 2019. COVID hit and everyone went into isolation mode so what was there to do you know besides drink and so that's when it really got away from me and I was like I remember looking at my bank account and like in my bank app, you can separate charges by uh, type and there's a little like separation for drinking, like how much you spend on alcohol. And I'm just like, man, I'm like paying the salaries of some of these state liquor store employees. And it was through that and making mistakes in my life and honestly, like waking up the next day and being like, what, what happened? Because I was that type. I was... I wasn't a Monday, excuse me, a Monday through Sunday drinker, but when Friday hit and I drank, I did not have an off switch either. It was like full bore, like we're going till I would black out and wonder what the hell happened. I got to the point when I was drinking, like no one wanted to party with me anymore. I used to party with my neighbors all the time. Well, my neighbors, you know, were typically married couples or couples who are living together. And so the girlfriend or wife would go to bed and then next thing you know I'm trying to mess around with the significant other and when you're drunk you don't care you know and neither do they um so um yeah no one wanted to party with me anymore so I would sit home and and listen to music and um I would listen to like typo negative and that's like the worst music to listen to when you're drunk and you're already depressed and it's like just so moody and gloomy and it's like, Oh my heart, you know? So I would, I was like obsessed with typo negative at that time and I still love the music, but it's hard for me to listen to now. Cause it kind of takes you back mm -hmm, to that time. It takes me back to like that, just the way I was living and how I felt about myself and everything. So I can't really listen to them that much anymore, but not to mention, I believe that singer died he of did. alcoholism. Well, or? he had he had drank and drugged a lot when he was younger, and they just said that you know he was he was getting older. He was like fifty eight mm-hmm. or something. And I think he just died of a heart attack. Gotcha. He was also seven foot two, so imagine that's probably not good on your heart. But no, just, you never know. You know. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, it's and that's. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that time period. It really sucked, you know, and I, there was a couple nights, like, when my husband came home and the front door was wide open, and I was just passed out in bed. Granted, we had three young kids, so um, there was a time when I let my boys walk from my house down to Maverick, and they were probably seven and eight years old, so not super young, not super old, but from my house to Maverick and back, it was three miles. I let them go to get bubble tape. Um, I don't know where my daughter was. Um, I was passed out on the couch. And a neighbor came over, basically just let himself in. He was an Mm ex-cop. Told me to get my shit together because, you know, if I wasn't careful, I was going to lose my kids. So that sort of stuck in my brain because that was my fear. It's like, I don't want to lose my kids, you know. So um, didn't really think I had. I knew I had a drinking problem. Didn't want to admit to it. Um, To me, you know, I kept having that bar be... Uh, the homeless guy under the bridge. You know, that's how you know that you're an alcoholic is if you're that homeless dude under the bridge. Don't know why I picked that one, but, you know, that's um, never got there, so. Yeah, <laughs> luckily, right? And yeah. I, I think you're right. Like, everyone picks a bar, yeah. and they we purposely 
pick it so low to where we're never going to reach that because I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not that. And I had grown up with uh, parents that were into drug use, alcohol use, and things like that. So I seen that around my upbringing a lot. And um, I, I don't know what my bar was, but I know what really scared me as I started to get older is I was seeing um, musicians that I had grown up listening to um, who were not much older than I myself. Maybe they were like in their mid-40s or um, family members that I had known or close friends or their friends start dying of alcohol-related health problems or alcohol-related choices. And I was like, oh, that... That'll never happen to me. But as I reached my 30s, I was also starting to feel like run down by alcohol, where at first 20s, it's easy to recover and get going. And then I had a health scare. We stayed down in, we went to Vegas um, one year, and I drank my ass off. And I'm so mad at myself because we talk about things that we do when when we're intoxicated. And why do we do that? You know, like I've literally broken a MacBook Pro a $2,000 laptop while I was drunk, woke up the next morning asking my girlfriend, who broke this? And her response, you, dipshit, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, I did this. That should have been my wake-up call number one to stop. I But I remember down in Vegas, we uh, when this was when I really started keying, you probably have a problem, is we were Ubering around the strip and things, and we went to Penn & Teller's show. I don't remember anything from Penn and Teller's show at all, like zero. I'm like, I spent $200 on these tickets and what? Yep. <laughs> and I also, um, in the last year, it, this was right when COVID, right before it hit, I booked a whole trip drunk to where I didn't even know I booked this vacation, spent $2,000 on my credit card and booked a trip to Pennsylvania and woke up the next morning and was like, what did I do? And Lacey's like, you booked a whole trip. So there was these things happening and not to mention, I was about to mention um, that health scare. So I went to my doctor after that uh, Vegas trip and I had like pain in my upper quadrant and they ran a liver, a liver panel. They're like, dude, your liver enzymes are, they're not off the charts, but they're definitely elevated. So you drink. And of course I'm like, well, I don't, I don't drink that much, you know, like doctors like, uh-huh. uh-huh. And you're like sitting there and you're like, when you fill out those little assessments, like how many drinks do you have? And then you're trying to justify to yourself just two <laughs> you, when I should have a one in front of that for 12. But that, yeah. that freaked me out. And, um, but so I stopped for a little while. I stopped for like, I want to say three months. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. But then I got it quote unquote, under control and I was like well I can start drinking again because again I'm not an alcoholic I just maybe had a small problem there and then it wasn't until just recently um that some events had transcribed and I was like I have to stop drinking I cannot live this life anymore and so I did I stopped and oddly enough we both stopped drinking around the same time because you just came up on 13 years of being sober. July 29th. Yeah, and I came up on a full year of being sober August 1st. So they're like right there. So that's what I wanted to say to you as well. Congratulations on 13 years because that's immense. Now, did you try to stop drinking beforehand or did you just have like a a wake-up call where you're like, I have to quit drinking? I I tried a couple times. Um... You know, I was starting to, like, wake up. I would drink real heavy, and then I'd kind of wake up, you know, with, like, my face on the toilet seat, and my head hurts because I'd been, like, passed out on the toilet seat, and I would be afraid because I had realized I had neglected my kids all night. So that would kind of scare me into trying to quit, Mm -hmm. but it never lasted long. I would start playing little games, like, um, I'd say only, you know, instead of beer, I'm going to drink vodka. You know, so I would drink like vodka with like Kool-Aid, you know, or Crystal Light or whatever. Um, I would just play games like that. I'd switch from beer to, you know, vodka or, you know, the box wine, um, trying to find a way to make things work. 
yeah. like try to drink like a normal person. Um, I did try marijuana at that time and that didn't work out. I was so, so super paranoid. Like the cats were looking at me and there was a demon in my garage. I was like, okay, weed's not for me. But that's, you know, I was just looking for something to uh, be able to be a normal person and be able to hang out and drink like everyone else. And it was not, I, not working out. Yeah, I did the same thing. So I had tried to quit a few times, but the one thing I'd always do is I'd like make justifications like, okay, I'm not going to drink hard liquor. And if I do, it's only going to be like, you know, the 80 proof. Yeah. We won't go to the high stuff. And then, or I'll just drink beer. But then what I found is, no matter what alcohol level it was, I would just compensate by drinking more of that alcohol. Um, I used to, what, so one of the games I would play was I would, they used to sell these energy beers. and so, I remember those. Uh-huh, so I would grab a couple of those on my way home from work and I was justifying it, like drinking them as I'm driving home because I'm like, well, it's, it's an energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, by the time I got home, I'd have a little bit of a buzz going on and then I could just, you know, continue and drink like four tall boys of Natty Light and call it good. Yeah. So it was bad. Just the games, the games that, you know, I played with myself. It was just horrible. I know. And um, right the, the culminating factors that came for me making this decision to quit drinking, one of them was a really dear friend of mine reached out to me and he wanted me to do some video work for him. I was like, oh, of what? And he's like, oh, it's just a funeral of my cousin who just passed away. And his cousin was 28. And I was like, damn, you know. But I didn't ask him the parameters of how he passed away or anything like that. But then when I went to do this video work at this funeral, Celebration of Life, through speaking with people, the reason he had passed away was alcohol-related, basically drank himself to death one night. And that scared me because he was younger than me. And I was like, I've done that plenty of times where I drank so much. I could have mm-hmm. vomited, puked, thrown up, and aspirated. Yeah. Um, I'm like, what am I doing as an individual to myself? And I remember staring at myself in the mirror and not look like what was looking back at me, I didn't recognize and I hated it. I was ugly. I was puffy faced. I, my eyes were bloodshot. My general overall health was through the toilet. Like it was, it just was garbage. And I told myself, you have to make a promise not to anyone, but to yourself to get yourself out of this current situation or else you're going to be dead at 35. It's You're going to be dead at 35 either through drinking and aspirating, because I was like those weekend bingers were coming on hard, or you're just going to wake up and feel sick, go to the doctor, and be like, dude, your liver's screwed. You're done. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what had killed my grandfather. He was a kind of closeted alcoholic. He used to always take us up to his cabin. I remember this. And I was really young, and so I didn't really understand, but he'd always stop at the liquor store before he went. But he was closeted. He didn't want anyone to know about this. And so us kids, what are we getting here? And he'd just say, snake bite medicine. And I was always like, didn't we get snake bite medicine here last time? (laughs) (laughs) I had a drunk grandpa, too. That's fun stuff. Uh, My grandpa was not, as my mother's dad, he was not closeted. Um, I don't know if he was generally a a jerk or what. Like, I love him to pieces, you know, and he's deceased now. but I remember going out there to visit, and he would drink, and we would walk to the package store, oh. which was right by a Seven Eleven. They lived in Connecticut, and so we walked to the package store, and I'd wait outside, and he'd come out with his paper bag, with whatever goodies he had purchased, and then go, you know, we'd go into Seven Eleven, and he'd buy me like some of those candy cigarettes, and all was good. And I loved what, making that walk with my grandpa. Um, but then as I got older, you know, and he would, he would put his bag when we got home, he'd put his bag under the kitchen sink. And then my grandmother would just kind of be like, you know, Robert, you know, she didn't like him drinking. Well, come to find out is because he turned into a gigantic asshole when he drank. I remember, um, being on a camping trip with my parents, we had gone to like Oregon or somewhere and taken my grandparents with us. And my dad and my mom's dad got drinking together. And my dad, my mom's dad always held a grudge against my father for moving their daughter from Connecticut all the way to Utah. Mm-hmm. So they get drunk together and then they get, you know, fighting. Um, oh. So I remember a trip like that where I could just hear my dad and my grandfather out there yelling at each other. And 
another time we were visiting them in Connecticut and I'm laying on my stomach watching TV and my grandpa's doing his thing again and he's starting in on my dad and my grandma said to him, um, Robert, you're drunk. Look at you. You're shaking and weaving. And I remember him saying this. He says, we'll see who's shaking and weaving when I throw you out the front window, you old bitch. Oh, wow. And as a kid, I think I was maybe 10. That was so horrifying to hear that, you oh, know, yeah. and I didn't want to turn around and even look at him. But that's the kind of drunk my grandpa was. Yeah. And so, that's that's interesting. You say your grandfather was an alcoholic as well, because it, it, it almost seems like it's a disease that can pass itself yeah. down through. I believe that. The yep. families. Absolutely. And I should have keyed in on that younger in life. Like, oh, you maybe shouldn't start drinking because you might end up like your grandfather or something. And not that he was a bad person at all. He actually, interestingly enough, he had this huge career with Salt Lake County Emergency Management Division. He was like one of the pioneers of getting 911 started in the county and one of the first EMTs in Salt Lake County, like when his funeral came, I did all this research on him and gave a talk, but it's interesting because he wasn't an angry drunk, but I think he drank to suppress a lot of the horrors that he was facing, like PTSD and things. And me, I would drink to suppress anxiety and worry, but I would, I would also, I was never an angry drunk. I was the opposite of that. I was way too lovey-dovey. Yeah, same. I was, I was the free love, everybody, come on, I'm drunk, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that, that would get me in yeah. trouble. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I thought I was hilarious all the time, too. I was like the funniest person oh. around, you know. Right, and then, then you see the videos the next day of what you were doing, and you're like, I was like what a jackass. yeah, why was I doing that? Yeah. So you've made it 13 years sober, I am in my first year sober. I'm actually finally feeling like good, like to where I'm like, I, I'm not saying I've accomplished it because I take it as an day by day thing. Cause that's what it is to me. Cause I've, I've learned not to put a whole thing on like, Oh, make it a year. But, um, you, we have made it quite a ways. I mean, a year is pretty good. 13 years is amazing. How did you do that? How have you been able to, especially in this day and age with all the stressors of the outside world and how the world is working now, how are you able to stay sober for that long? Um, well, I've talked to you about it a little bit. You know, I go to AA. Um, I swear by AA for myself. It's not for everyone. Um, you know, it just has taught me, you know, the, the purpose of AA is to go in and learn some tools for coping with life. Like the alcoholism is just the symptom of, you know, deeper issues. We all know that. So it's kind of like learning to um, cope, you know. Gotcha. So it focuses a lot on, you know, you got to have a higher power, um, learn to pray, uh, talk to other alcoholics, do service for people. So like the basic things just, you know, that we all should know and we've all been raised to you know do certain things be nice to other people try to help them out but mm -hmm. we kind of forget that you know um so yeah AA has worked out phenomenally for me um yeah I I can't even imagine like if I didn't have it but it's not it's definitely not for everyone I don't want anyone to think that you can't get sober without it but I think for me you know that was like my last resort mm -hmm. all my best thinking like didn't put me in good places so that my last resort was to go into AA, um, gotcha. you know, but I'm also what we call a retread where I went into AA for, I think I stayed sober for like eight months and went back out and drank and I lost like five years. Oh, wow. So, and it went just like that, you know, and the drinking when I relapsed, um, at first it was like, oh, I can just have a few beers and I, I had a few beers for maybe the first night. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was game on, you know, and it, and it doesn't get better. Like when you go back out and drink, you pick up where you left off. Like you don't start from the beginning again and get to build up. You, you start where you left off. And so you get to get worse from there and it, it can get worse, you know? So the last, um, I, I only went out the one time, um, lost five years of my life there, you know, and did some pretty shameful things. And um, I think I had to just go back out and do some more research, you know, see if yeah. I really wanted to live that life. And I tell you, I hated myself and I felt so low and disgusting. And 
absolutely hated myself. And I got to the point where I was looking on this website um, for anything spiritual at all. It was a website called BeliefNet or something like that. And I would just go and read all these cheesy spiritual sayings and, you know, stuff like that. And then I was like, you know, I, know, I think I'm just going to go back to AA. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So I went back and there were the people there, you know, a lot of the old timers who were there with the first time I went in. They were happy to see me and it was like a big welcome back and I'm glad I did, but um, yeah, I can I can promise you it doesn't get any better if you choose to go out. It just gets worse. I know. I, I constantly have people because I didn't, I'm not one of those uh, people that like airs it to everyone because I, I feel like some people do get like that. Like, oh, I, hi, I'm Marcus. I'm an alcoholic. Um, or like when they're at parties, oh, no, I'm an alcoholic. I don't drink. Like, I'll just be like, no, no, thank you. Um, but so... Like, I kept it limited on people knowing about my having to come and admit that I had a problem. But I'll have those people at some times ask me, hey, are you ever going to drink again? Like, you've got, like, just as of recently, like, dude, you made it a year. You think you're good? I'm like, no, I can never go back to it. And they're like, really? And I'm like, I know who I am. I know as soon as I get the keys to that car again, I'm starting it and we're going you know, full throttle. Yeah. So I, I know personally from you saying that there's no way once you make that conscious effort and that decision that this is what I am, that you have to do everything in your power to steer clear yeah. from that. Unless you want to become that person that you hate. You know, yeah. that's my fear is that I'll turn it back into that horrible, selfish person. I have a hard enough time being a decent person, you know, when I'm sober, but at least I'm cognizant enough of what I'm doing and I care. But when I'm out there drinking, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'll lie, cheat, and steal all day, and I won't care, and I'll be proud of it. So, you know, I don't want to live like that. Um, so, you know, like, I don't know. I I, <clears throat> I don't know. I just did a lot of things. I, like I told you about the one thing and, you know, uh, some of the lesser things I had done, I used to, like, shoplift a lot. Oh, really? A lot. Like, there's certain large chain stores that were, like, super easy to shoplift from. Um, I would just wander the store for quite a while, you know, but I shoplifted a lot. Um, I would steal money, I would steal alcohol from, you know, from neighbors, like anything that wasn't bolted down, I would take. Now, I had a friend who, um, and I'm kind of curious if you ever went down this road. So I myself, I found like the worse my alcoholism got, I would budget drink. So I'd buy like low shelf vodka instead of top shelf because yeah, I, I just wanted whatever would get me drunk. I did that. Um, also, when I ran out of beer, I would do Listerine shots. That's what I was going <laughs> to ask you because I had a friend that he would literally get drunk off Listerine and yeah. I always thought he was crazy oh, doing that, but I can see how yeah. someone can get to that level. The obsession gets that strong and you just haven't reached that level of drunkenness yet that, you know, you'll Listerine was what's there. Yeah. You know, and then, you... You see that a lot in the people that are struggling on the streets yeah. that do get to that point yeah. that never stop and they're drinking things like that or whatever they can get their hands on to get their fix. Or I'd mix it with like pills, which is the scariest thing to me because I had uh, uh, an acquaintance who would hook me up with random pills. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember pain pills, Seroquel, stuff like, you know, and I would just take them. Yeah. My alcohol. So it's, I'm, I don't know how I'm alive. <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you. There are so many times that I consumed so much alcohol that I'm like, how did you live through that and not end up like, I'm thoroughly convinced I've had alcohol poisoning on many occasion. And I'm like, how did you not end up in the emergency room or in the ground, in the grave? And it's so, it's so weird now because I don't st- I don't really struggle when I'm around people who are drinking. Like I don't get the urge to drink. And in fact, we went to a barbecue like four weeks ago and everyone there was having a good time. There were people there that could handle their liquor just fine. They were having beer or whatever. And then there was uh, one lady I know that was there who I know her in the personal life where she's not drunk. And then I seen her how she was there and I was like, Oh you're just like me. You're the all in and your personality has changed 100% because you're being a straight up bitch right now to everyone here. And I like, look at that. And I'm like, I am so glad I don't drink to excess like that drink at all anymore. Cause I would always be to excess, but don't 
partake in that because it's like looking at a mirror, but now it's someone else. Like I used to do that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. When you first quit drinking, did you get offended when people would drink around you or would you kind of, you know, no. get your feelings hurt about it or anything? Mm-mm. I, I would get very not offended by them or anything because I, again, I didn't let a lot of people know cause I was, I was kind of still in denial. I was almost like, you might be able to reach the point to where you can drink again. Which now I know I won't ever be able to get to that point. Like, it's just not in the cards for me. Or I don't think it's in the cards for any self-admitted alcoholic, in all honesty. But I would get a little jealous because I was like, oh, man, they just have that social lubricant. And I'm a very talkative person. I love talking and communicating with people. But I really love talking with people when I'm a little socially lubricated up you know because it just makes things so much easier so that i would get a little like envious like oh man i wish i could just have one drink right now um but the more days i put behind me the less i want to be in those environments um one thing i really miss is i miss paint uh playing pool at the local bar we used to always go play pool there but the on the flip side, I do not miss any of those people that were in that bar yeah. that were just, most of them were just really shitty individuals. They were friends was, when you're drinking with them, yeah. Yeah, and well, I was... That's a, kind of what I found um, when I when I quit drinking. Like, the people that I thought were my friends, well, I was actually really the shitty person, but, you know, um, other people that I partied with, and I thought, you know, we were friends or they liked me. I think it was only because we were drinking together, you know, like not a whole lot in common except no, that they weren't friends. They were like drinking acquaintances. I don't know. Like none of them would ever have my back on anything if I needed help. Yeah. I, I, I lost quite a few, uh, friends, which, and I'm not blaming it on them because again, it was my problem. I own it. But there, there were a couple people that had made like comments to me about, oh man, I miss when you used to drink. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, you're so much more fun. I'm like, yeah, well, that's gone now. (laughs) It's not coming back and I can still be fun. But then it's like, did you just like me? Cause I provided free alcohol yeah, at the parties for yeah. everybody. And it was the party house. Is that why I was your friend? Probably that maybe a little bit of misery loves company. And maybe they kind of wondered if they had a drinking problem too. Hey. But you know, as long as you're drinking, then it must be okay. I don't know. People are weird like that. We're very weird about our bad behaviors. Oh yeah. And how we justify them. Yeah. And yeah. yep. I, yeah. I totally agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, stepping out, from those situations or even being put in those drinking environments and watching it's like I almost feel like I'm a third person view of it like watching it all happen like I'm just like I'm so glad that I don't do this anymore it's better man like so I went with um I actually had gone with Tiffany to see Slipknot was it it wasn't last summer it was like back in 2019 yeah it had been 2019 so you know and and I used to be that person who would get you know my last drunk concert was Tool which kills me because that was like my you know favorite band ever and I can't believe I spent that much on a ticket only to get drunk and Mm -hmm. not remember it um but anyway my last sober concert with Tiffany was Slipknot and there was a gentleman there in the pit who was drinking excessively and he ended up being the guy who like vomited all over the place, oh. you know, and made that pit open right up. Cause <laughs> you know. and I was like, you know, I was like, I really don't miss drinking. Like I can completely go and I can watch everyone around me drink and have a good time or not, you know, and I, I'm fine either way. Like I still have a great time and I actually probably enjoy it more cause I have the memories now, you know, I know what was, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. I I was I was that guy that would throw up in the pit. Yeah. Like I did I actually never drank at concerts, but bars and stuff, yeah. man. I remember I got so drunk at this old bar, uh, the Tabernacle, the dueling piano bar, that they cut me off at the bar. They did like one of those black X's on my hand. And so I tried to hide it and tried to get more, put a black X on that hand, would only give me water. And I remember my buddy and my sister driving us home 
We stopped at a gas station because I had to pee, and I went to the urinal. I was so drunk, I fell over in the bathroom and just started peeing on myself (laughs) and this random individual that was standing right next to me. And I felt so bad for this guy. I thought I was going to get my ass kicked, and he just looked so disgusted. And then as I'm leaving, I throw up outside this service station, and this guy that I had peed on, this shows the goodness and humanity, Goes, he went and bought me all this Aquafina water and brings it to me. He's like, I've been there, man. Here you go. And I was like, I just pissed on you on accident. Now I'm throwing up everywhere and you still have this goodness in you to give me this. So, I mean, there's, there's good people out there willing to support, but, um, where was I going with this? Yeah. I, I was that type of person in, in social situations out in public to where I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And that I think that was for like my bachelor party or whatever, but still I'm like, why did I want to spend my bachelor party getting that shit face drunk to end up feeling like crap, being embarrassed and all of that. And I know I'll never get those years back, but the goal is to never repeat those years either or those mistakes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had some great fun times drinking with people, but those became so few and far between to where it was just not doing anything for me but negative things. You become less fun and then you end up trying to chase that feeling again and again and you never, I mean, the more you drink, I think the less, I mean, well, the more you drink like we did, the less, you know, it's just like you're chasing it away. Oh, yeah. It's not coming back. It's like they say, and I've never partaken in this drug, but like heroin or whatever, they say you never reach that same high. I think the same of alcohol because I would have to drink so much to even get to the point of being in that euphoria. But by that time, you're already like shit face sloshed and you spend so much money. That's another thing that I can't believe how much money I'd spent on alcohol. But surprisingly enough, I thought because I I stopped drinking. I got this app that really helped me on my phone that I have to check in every day and be accountable And that's a big thing that helps me is the accountability factor. It makes me check in like, and it has a little savings calendar in there of how much money I've saved because I haven't bought alcohol in this long. I I have less money now that I'm not an alcoholic though than I, (laughs) or photography. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm an alcoholic, but I have less money now that I'm not drinking because I spend more money on my hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. But that's awesome because I'm doing things I love and I've lost relationships with people, but I've also gained really great relationships with like you and other individuals to where I'm like, you almost, you're reinventing your whole self and your whole life when you go through that change. See, and I sort of feel like I ended up where I should have been all along. It's like I took a huge detour and just kind of like wasted all these years and did some really shitty things and, you know, but then kind of came around full circle to like where I should have been. Yeah. So, you know, and here I am, you know, old lady now. So. Oh, you're not an old lady. <laughs> so, but that's, that's, that's how it was for me. But yeah, I, and I, and I hear you and I can't even imagine like trying to um, do photography or, or anything, you know, being drunk, like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a better way of life. And it, don't you feel like you're more creative now? Like your brain is working, you're able to come up with photo shoot ideas and, you know. Yeah, my spark of creativity is there. Um, My focus is there more. So um, being the type of drinker I was, work would consume my life Monday through Friday. And so you don't have a lot of time for your hobbies during that period, especially where you're working like 12-hour days like I'm doing. So the weekends is the time for my outlet. But when I'm drinking and hungover, I don't want to do anything. So I've literally found a new love for photography. Uh, I began playing musical instruments a lot more again. And just the general uh, feeling of uh, getting out there and like working out again. Because I used to be a big gym guy. I was going to the gym all the time before COVID. And then COVID hit and I put on like 25 pounds because we couldn't go anywhere. And so I'm drinking, making very poor nutrition choices because you don't realize that's something you do because you're so drunk you can't go get food so what do you do you just uber fucking taco bell to your house 
And so I've been doing so much better in health, hobbies, and general relationship building, you know, because the people, I have less people in my social circle now than I did before, but the people that are in my social circle are there for a reason. Quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so, yeah, you hit it on the head when you say your focus really gets magnified because when you're drunk all the time. Yeah. But on the opposite end of that, there are some people that are really good artists when they're drunk high yeah, or whatever. But you know what? I think that artists, like, I mean, I know that drugs definitely have their spot in, like, music especially, holy cow, and then some art. But I think it's more of, like, a mindset. Like mm-hmm. Either you are or you aren't. You know, either you're inclined that way or you're not. Yeah. And some people, you know, that the drugs and the alcohol maybe brings it out more. But yeah, I think of people like Hunter S. Thompson or something yeah. of that nature where I'm like, would that guy have been able to do what he did sober? Yeah. I don't know. I always think about Nine Inch Nails and how like the earliest Nine Inch Nails music was so good and it was so just like kind of brutal and had an edge to it. And then when Trent got off the drugs or whatever for like one album and it completely like... <laughs> it's like Metallica as well. Can you get back on the drugs again? <laughs> <laughs> don't better yourself. <laughs> Make it worse for us. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a better life. I'm very happy for you with your one year. That's awesome. Well, well thank you. And like I said, I'm very happy for you in your 13 years. Um, to kind of wrap this conversation up, do you have anything like words of wisdom or insight for someone that might be struggling with any type of addiction out there that are trying to get on the right path? If, if you really want to change your life, I mean, if you really want to get better, I mean, because this is, Okay, one, this alcoholism and drug addiction, it's a it's a fucking illness. It's an illness. Like we it's like cancer, you know? It's an illness. You can't control it. You have something, you have a disease that wants to kill you. Ultimately. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it is. That's addiction. It's a you know, any kind. It's a disease that wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly the alcoholism and drug addiction. Um so if you if you're ready to change and you're tired of being tired, you know, and you don't like the way you're living, reach out to someone for help. Talk to someone about it, you know, um, you know, talk to someone and, uh, you know, talk to talk to a clergy at your church or talk to friends, family. Um, you know, I think the reason why I picked AA was Alcoholics Anonymous. No one had to know me. You know, I, I didn't have to know these people, and I was able to go to a meeting. And, you know, no one there cared who I was. Sometimes we get judgment, I think, or we're afraid we're going to get judgment from people in our lives. So, you know, and I wasn't ready to fully admit at the time to anyone around me, even though they already knew, obviously, when I was a drunk. But um, I picked, you know, I picked the anonymous part. And um, so, you know, you just talk to whomever you're comfortable with. But reach out to someone by all means. Don't just sit there and try to do it by yourself because it's, I don't, I couldn't do it by myself. I don't know about you. No. It's support system. I, I was just about to say what you were saying about reaching out to someone. I, you were literally one of the people I reached out to because I remember I had explained to you what was going on. And once you said, hey, I'm an alcoholic as well, I was like, oh my God, I have someone I can relate with and speak to without feeling judgment. Yeah. Like, cause you, I knew, okay, she has the same problem that I'm suffering from and she's not going to be judgmental or biased on the things I'm going through, the questions I ask or the daily struggles I'm going through. You're going to relate to them. So reaching out to people, like if I didn't have this small support circle that I have, I would definitely have failed at this a long time ago without that support system. It's, it's a killer, man. And I mean, so people who don't have that immediate support system around them or don't want to reach out to people for fear of judgment or reprisal or or whatever, um, how do they get into a program like Alcoholics Anonymous? Um, just, you know what, I just looked it up online. I looked up AA and I called the number and the lady helped me find a meeting out, you know, in where I live. And uh, first meeting I went to, I sat out, it was at a church and I sat there in the parking lot and I looked at the people as they walked into the building and um, I was kind of looking at the differences, you know, cause I wasn't ready to see the similarities yet. And oh my God, these people that were walking in, I was like, I am not like these people. 
there was a dude who his name was Jeff. He was missing a hand. He had a hook for a hand. Oh, really? And his wife was like this crazy hippie lady, but they were both brilliant. Like they had both used to be professors in, you know, a university, but you'd never know it by looking at them. But um, I remember just looking at this couple and this guy with his hook hand, and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? You know, but I went in and I and I met my friend um, who's now my kind of sponsor slash friend. I don't really have a sponsor because I haven't done things the traditional way. And that's another thing, like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do in AA. Um, they have suggestions. If you want to get sober, these are suggestions. Um, I have never worked the whole 12 steps completely. I'm lazy. You know, and... <laughs> But I have talked about them a lot, and I've just, you know, um, I haven't officially done them. I haven't read all the AA book, and they always suggest you read the first 164 pages in the book because it talks, it explains us to a T, like you feel like they read, wrote the book about you. Um, but I haven't done that either. So, gotcha. yeah, I have not followed the suggestions. So, you know, um, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. So that's, you know, no one's going to force you. So that's... Uh, just the way that goes, but um, you know, just look it up. It's free. You get some free coffee when you go in. There's super nice people. You know, it may not be for you, but worth checking out, I guess. I don't. Did you ever replace your addiction of alcohol with anything else? Because you know what I did with mine is caffeine. Now, um, <laughs> I God. drink too much damn coffee. Um, I went on a spending spree for a long. Was that time. yours? spending spree like crazy so i still sense. struggle with money a Just lot <laughs> <laughs> i do if i'm not buying like dresses for photography shoots and i'm you know but at I least mean, it's going towards something it's money that's going can, towards I suppose something you can say that yeah that's one of the things i need to work on is spending money i don't know well, we are all a work in progress at all times and you know i just want to thank you again for coming on yeah. you are the first episode of this new project that I'm doing and I thought I would open it up with you know what this is a very vulnerable thing to talk about for me but you know what if I want to make this project meaningful I got to spill out who I am to people and we all have struggles so thank you very much for coming on board and being willing to be the first guest on yeah, this show. Thank you for having me. We have to do this again. Oh, we will. We'll uh, we'll have more conversations. I'm gonna. Caroline is a bit of a conspiracy nut, <laughs> <laughs> and what? she she's gonna be back on talking about. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the next episode, we are gonna have a local realtor that I know very well named Greg James. He's gonna come on, and we're gonna talk about the. I have a bunch of questions for him from the outrageous housing market in Salt Lake County and Utah abroad and what younger people can do to maybe get into a house or if you're even older looking to get into a house. And we're going to talk to him about the real estate world because I have a lot of intriguing, interesting things I want to figure out about it. Um, but yeah, he will be on the next episode. So thank you guys for listening so much and we'll catch you later. Bye.